Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Excuse My Rage. I'm your host, Emma Isaac. Today, our guest is Tanner Luke, a software engineer, co-founder of the Conquer app, and holds the title of Chief Technology Officer. Conquer is a technology company that connects athletes to play sports. Its platform serves as a sports marketplace, allowing players, venues, clubs, and towns to post one-off sporting events for others to join. Conquer's mission is to make sports accessible to everyone, regardless of work schedule, network, or wealth. So without further ado, let's hear from one of the founders of this community-centered company, Tanner. Hello. Welcome to Excuse My Reach. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Hey, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad uh, glad to be here. I'm really excited to you know, get to talk about some of this stuff. Always excited to do that. Cool. Yeah, we're so excited to have you on. And I feel like your profession is one that I honestly know very, very little about. Software engineering is not in my background whatsoever. So I'm so excited to hear from you about all of it. Sure. Yeah, I have. I love talking about it. I'm a I'm a huge computer geek. So (laughs) I'm uh, more than happy to geek out for a little bit. Very cool. I want to just know in your own words, I know I kind of gave a little spiel about your background just there, but I would love for you to tell listeners in your own words, just a quick little pitch about what you do on the day to day in, you know, your day to day job and also with this app. Sure. Uh, So day to day, I mean, there's definitely a lot of writing code. Um, But one of the things about, you know, writing code is that even though, you know, the code is the core part of it, uh, I swear most of the time that you actually spend coding is usually debugging and figuring out where things are going wrong. Uh, It's kind of like, you know, getting to play with a puzzle for the whole time. Um, You just get to, you know, build stuff and iterate on it. Uh, But in addition to that, you know, more specific to Conquer, uh, it's a lot of, obviously there's going to be a lot of meetings, a lot of uh, design planning, figuring out kind of how we want things to look, how we want things to act. Uh, really just trying to get figure out what users are going to benefit from the most. Uh, and then it's kind of left up to me to figure out how to best implement it. So that'll be things like making sure that the app runs fast and smooth to make sure that we're getting the right information to give uh, users their best experience and stuff. Uh, so even though it is a lot of code uh, and it is a lot of translating all that stuff into code, uh, a huge part of it is a lot of discussion, uh, a lot of you know, iteration and a lot of uh, tracking down little issues of, you know, what are causing users issues. For, I mean, I would love to get more into the Conquer app specifically, but before we even get into that, I also really want to know about your background. You say this career is very puzzle driven, you know, you have to figure out all of these things, you have to code all of this stuff within software engineering how did you get into that? How did you start? How did you know that you had a passion for it? And I guess also, how did you know that you were good at it? Sure. Uh, so yeah, so I have a little bit of a unique uh, story with it. So I was actually I went to I went to college for I was a biology major. I was pre med. Uh, I wasn't a fan of it at all. Uh, <laughs> I really, really didn't enjoy my classes. I really didn't enjoy the stuff that I was learning too much. Um, and so. And being that I wasn't very good at it, I would kind of get stuck in some boring jobs of, uh, you know, in between semesters and stuff. Um, and at those boring jobs, I would start to, you know, think about different 
um, different ways to, you know, invent stuff of different ways. And, and I, I kind of kept on coming back to this idea that it would be really, really cool to make an app. Uh, so I started to research, uh, you know, specifically how to build an app without knowing how to code. Uh, this was going into my sophomore year of college. Um, and I finally had an idea that I wanted to build out. And I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, I was way too broke to uh, <laughs> you know, pay somebody else to make this idea for me. Uh, so I was kind of left with the decision to, you know, figure out how to write code. So just whatever resources I could find online. Uh, so a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of, you know, online tutorials, books, whatever I could find that would try to kind of scrape my way to make this idea, this vision that I had of reality, uh, I started doing. And that was just where pretty much all of my free time went to. Do you feel like you were self-motivated by the fact mostly just that you really disliked the work that you were originally doing in school and that allowed you to seek other options on your own? So when I was working on it, I really did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, and I started to realize that I was having more fun doing that, um, which made it a lot easier to kind of keep on going. And then I think that part of it, too, was actually getting to see something that I was making uh, come to life, you know, to see it start from a literal blank canvas and all of a sudden to have, you know, something that I could actually you know, mess around with and, you know, build and see come to life. It was just, it was a really cool thing, which made the whole process way easier and very, very rewarding. When you decided to start this, was there any element of fear of kind of maybe going this more untraditional path than you were saying you were taking biology classes at the time? So maybe more of a sure path than possibly putting more of your resources and energy into ideating for an app? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was, you know, my grades were kind of borderline in my biology and chemistry classes at that time. Uh, so probably one of the biggest fears was that I was going to, you know, it was probably putting my scholarship in jeopardy. Um, so that was a little bit concerning. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, it was definitely a little bit worrying, but uh, I also kind of saw the greater picture of that, like the idea of actually getting to make something that that was, it was kind of like the small possibility that it would actually work out outweighed all of the kind of fears and reservations I had of like really, really uh, jumping that path. That's amazing that you took that leap and you kind of just went full force into it. So from that, you say you had that you started to ideate you started to watch a ton of youtube videos self-starter you figured out all of this stuff on your own walk us through how those initial steps turned into something concrete so yeah so really i would just kind of i wasn't really expecting to actually uh know what i was doing uh or to understand it even uh i just kind of had this idea that if I was able to find solutions to each individual problem that I broke down, that it would all come together. Uh, and it kind of did, you know, it was, but that being said, when I look at that first project that I ever wrote, the code is horrendous. And, you know, it, it's <laughs> it, looking back at it, it makes me laugh, but it did work. Uh, and it did, uh, it did kind of, you know, function how I wanted it to, which was pretty cool. Uh, but I wasn't really expecting to learn how to code and, 
In fact, like for the first few months that I was doing it, I actually didn't think that I was learning how to code. And it was probably about five or six months into this process and this, you know, chipping away at this app idea that all of a sudden I wanted to implement a feature. And I, and I kind of thought to myself, like, you know, I don't know if I have to look this up. I think I can do this. And I did it. And that was when all of a sudden things started really clicking for me. Uh, and all of a sudden I kind of had this new wow. confidence of, you know, being able to solve my problems on my own. And that I was actually picking things up as I was, uh, you know, kind of going through the motions or what I thought was going through the motions. Wow. So this app that you then started, like the, these codes that you were writing, were you just working on this one project at the time? Or were you doing freelance projects or anything like that as well? So it was just that project at the time. Uh, I later ended up picking up some freelance work. Uh, and I ended up also switching my major uh, so that I had a little bit more legitimacy and you know could make sure that I was uh, <laughs> actually you know doing things correct and not just doing entire hack jobs. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I did end up venturing out that way a little bit more. Uh, but initially, it was just that app. And it was, you know, the whole focus was really around that uh, first project that I'd come up with. Really cool. I just want to talk quickly about you switching your major, because I know that there may be people listening that are either thinking of doing that, or maybe they wish that they would have done that when they were at college. Did you find that to be a hard process? Obviously, at that point, you knew what you wanted to do, but the actual logistics of it, you said that you were a sophomore, right, when you started doing this. So kind of halfway through, presumably, your college experience, did that feel daunting to then switch over? And was it easy at your university or was it kind of a challenge? Um, so let's see. So it was a little bit challenging just because I didn't actually go through the process of switching until the very beginning of my junior year of, in which case I really wanted to get my education. And within the four years, I was really hoping to you know not have to pay for another semester. Uh, and my school pretty much said like, we've never had anybody do this in two years. We don't really know if it's possible. Um, but you know, you can try. <laughs> and it's like, okay, great. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it, give it a shot. Cause you know, that'll save a lot of money. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> right. So <laughs> it was, it was definitely daunting in that way. Uh, however, I think one of the great things about, you know, kind of finding your path, um, at any point is that all of a sudden, you know, you have this newfound confidence of, I really like what I'm doing. And, and I have to say, when I was confident in that and going into the computer science classes, as difficult as they were, uh, they just seemed so much better in every way because for the first time, you know, I wasn't having issues paying attention. I wasn't having issues doing the homework. It was almost like, you know, I was excited to do the homework because it was something I was legitimately interested in, um, which definitely takes the edge of kind of that you know daunting part is when you're really, really confident that this is going to work out for um, where you would like to, where at least you see yourself, I think in the next five to 10 years, I think that that takes a lot of that edge off. I can imagine that it definitely would. And even finding that while you're still in kind of that controlled environment, that probably felt great. I'm guessing on your end, that kind of aha moment of, gosh, this finally feels correct for me. Oh, exactly. That was, uh, and I remember actually having that moment, like kind of pop in my head. Cause you know, the whole time I was thinking like, Oh, I'll do coding as uh, I'll do that as more of like a hobby and I'll, you know, continue with my biology degree. And then, you know, one day I'm thinking about like, 
why am I still in this biology degree? <laughs> like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, this is a whole career path that's a, you know, a, a very good one and one that I'm definitely enjoying more. I, I must be an idiot to you know, stick with this idea that I'm going to do something I don't like and then just, you know, my free time, do something that I do that doesn't, it didn't make much sense to me. And I don't know why it took me that long to figure it out, but I'm glad that I did. Yeah, well, you figured it out. And I don't think it took you that long at all. Actually, I think that amount of time is possibly even shorter than a lot of people. I think a lot of people, they figure it out way later in life. So that's awesome that you were able to figure it out there. From that, as soon as you figured it out, as soon as you started to go through these classes, I imagine that in the back of your mind, you still had that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, you were the one that taught yourself first before any of the classes taught you. So when you left college, what was your mindset? Was it that you wanted to start something on your own? Or did you feel like you wanted to automatically go into a more traditional linear career path? So I think that the idea of the entrepreneurial side is always, it was always kind of what I imagined going into. Uh, I, I liked a little bit more of the fast paced uh, world. I liked not knowing what was going to happen next. And I mean, even like when I initially kind of took that entrepreneurial path with learning how to code, like part of the attractive thing to that was uh, the idea that I was getting a little bit out of my comfort zone that, you know, it wasn't something I was going to be expecting to do. Uh, I really do like the idea that I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Uh, I, I think that that's part of what makes it so fun of, you know, learning and, you know, learning these things on the fly and all the chaos that comes with it. Uh, it just, it, it makes it a lot more interesting uh, and it, you know, it excites me. So I think that that was always kind of in the back of my mind. Um, Obviously, it's a pretty good backup to have, you know, the computer science industry uh, for, you know, the job stability and you know, the amount of jobs. But the entrepreneurial side was always something that I think kind of stuck with me. That makes sense. Do you feel like you had that in you from like a young age? Or do you feel like as you got older, you were like, I want to be more of a risk taker, especially when it comes to possibly opportunities that could have big payouts? Yeah, I think that I feel like it probably started to come to me more high school age. Uh, you know, and I think that one of the things that kind of kept me from uh, never actually going through with it or never actually like going further in that direction was that so many of the things they just seem so out of reach. You know, like when you invent stuff and you know, you just you don't know the first or like you have the idea for an invention. You just don't really know that first step to take even. Um, and then it seems like all the people that are in charge are just so qualified and they really know what they're doing. And then it's like, it can be very, very intimidating. But I had, from the early-ish, early probably high school age, I think that I did have a little bit more, uh, I wanted to try to find that gap, something that people could use, something that people could enjoy that would make its mark in some way, you know. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like that flip in your brain kind of of, for lack of a better term, I guess, believing in yourself a bit more to be able to embark on the journey of being a self-starter, of being an entrepreneur, of just reaching for something more? Do you feel like there were people in your life that were telling you that you could? Or did you feel that it was 
you didn't want to follow a traditional path and that motivated you further? Like, was it self-motivation more or external motivations? I feel like it would probably be more self-motivation. Um, it was, yeah, it, I mean, I, I guess somewhat external, but it was external in the sense that, you know, I would see people using these new products, these new apps, these new websites or something and seeing people benefit from it. And it would kind of motivate me to make something like that, that, you know, it it was fascinating to me that people could make that next big thing, that thing that people were talking about, that people were using, that it would have such an impact on society to some degree. So I think external in the fact that, you know, it it interested me on how people responded to things, uh, but internal in Mm -hmm. the perspective that I found that very interesting. And I found that to be a motivating factor that I would like to be i would like to have you know had my hand at something that had that sort of impact on people that's a great driving force i think and i think it's impressive to be able to self-motivate because especially if you don't know that you can do something just telling yourself over and over again well why can't i be the next person to invent the next big thing i think there is definitely a barrier for a lot of people there but kind of related to that a bit You talked about that you had done some freelance projects for those. Did you do those straight out of college or walk me through a little bit on how freelance worked for you in using your skills? So, yeah, so I had actually had some people get in contact with me through friends that would have ideas for something and you know, by there's a huge stigma with kind of taking on other people's ideas uh, within, you know, because everybody has an app idea. Everybody has a, you know, a website idea, the next million dollar thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I was a little bit different in that I always like to hear people's ideas. Um, And there was a few that I did enjoy that I thought could be cool or that would make a big mark. Um, And I would, you know, help them because I I wanted to get better at my skill set at that point. I didn't have any connections in the field. Um, I didn't have any connections family-wise that way. So I kind of realized that I had to start making my mark (laughs) some ways. So I'd always take those uh, calls and, you know, certain ones would be paid. Certain ones would be, uh, you know, they would end up getting the internships or, you know, later work or something. Uh, But yeah, it was, those started in college uh, that I would start to take those freelance jobs and, you know, it was nice because it helped me pay my way through school. Uh, it gave me a little bit more uh, leeway with hours and stuff so that, you know, I was able to make a little bit more money than I would at a typical college job while also being able to kind of distribute my own hours instead of working off of other people's clocks, which is nice. I think that's really smart. And to do that in tandem with getting an education but also to then be able to have the extra cash a little bit, but building up your portfolio, I think there's a very real possibility for some people. You know, they go through schooling and sometimes they forget that extra element of needing to build up your skills in a different way that's translatable into the, quote, real world. For you, those freelance projects, how did you even know how to set your rate for those paid projects and understand your own worth going into it? So honestly, I was probably underpaid for them. (laughs) Um, 
I, I didn't know how to set them because, uh, yeah, I think that I was still, I, I still wasn't very confident with myself as a software developer. I was still very, very early on in it. Uh, and I still felt like I had a long way to go. Uh, so there was, so I, I do think I actually probably undervalued myself. Um, so it was more just, uh, I guess, the excitement that somebody was willing to pay me for this thing that I, was, that I taught myself. And, you know, yeah. it was just like, I'll take what I can get. Um, you know, I wasn't hurting for money. It was, uh, it was, I was comfortable because, you know, college was cheap and I was in a cheap town and everything. Uh, so I didn't need much. And I, I kind of figured that as long as I could pay my bills that I was more than happy, you know. Um, but yeah, I would say that I was probably undervalued. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know your worth now, I'm assuming. I hope so. Uh, yeah. I hope you know your worth now. You've done a lot more projects. You've you've done a lot so far. So I'm sure that that translates. For each project, you said that one of the things that you got out of it was kind of your ability to network to the next opportunity. So do you feel like that network grew exponentially? Do you feel like the people that you work with now on the projects that you're currently on, did any of those people get brought in based on projects that you freelanced for? Uh, yeah, so that was actually how I got involved with uh, Conquer in the first place, was uh, mutual friends through uh, that I had met that we had actually started it up. Um, and yeah, because those connections, that was something that was very important to me was... You know, I I had some confidence in kind of, uh, you know, the networks that those people had. And it was kind of people that I wanted myself to be with. Um, and so, yeah, so that was actually how I had actually met the people from that I started Conquer up with uh, was through the connections over some of those freelance projects and what turned into an internship uh, going into my senior year of college. Wow. Okay, cool. So you're, that's how you got into Conquer. You had an internship? So I had an internship. Uh, it, it was at a commercial real estate place, uh, but it was a lot more of the uh, investment bank type people. And it was a lot more uh, people with financial backgrounds and more managerial backgrounds. Uh, not really anything to do with software for the most part. Um, however, through a mutual friend of their uh, you know, I had started talking with, you know, some of their friends and, you know, through that network, it kind of grew. Uh, I had eventually met the guys that I would start Conquer up with. That's awesome. So I want to get right into that. I want to get into Conquer app. Tell us that origin story after you met these guys, after you guys got connected. How did this all begin? This app that was nothing turned into something? Yeah, sure. So it actually, so the guys that we started up with, um, they were really into soccer. Now, I had never really played soccer. Uh, it wasn't really my sport. I was a baseball player. Uh, but they were still really into it. They still really wanted to play. Uh, and they had graduated. They had gotten, you know, a typical nine-to-five job. Uh, and they kind of found themselves strapped for time. You know, a lot, you know, their jobs would have kind of random hours. They wouldn't know when they'd be done. They couldn't really join leagues or anything. Uh, and eventually, the, the one guy called the other one, he's like, man, like, I want to play soccer so bad, but I don't have time. I can't join a league. I don't know when my work is going to get out. 
it's and I'm not going to spend the money in a league for you know games that I'm going to miss half of them. And he's like, I know. I wish that I could play too. It's like because uh, at that point, you know, started uh, you know started getting bored with and you know missing the social interaction and uh, you know the having a hard time, I guess, adjusting to the craziness that's uh, post graduate life. Um, mm-hmm. and so they kind of came up with this idea and, you know, eventually had contacted me, you know, being that I was, uh, you know, capable of actually building something like this out. Uh, they don't have the background in software, uh, that would all, you know, lie on me. And I could also see kind of the use case. I could see, you know, how it could really benefit people, uh, whether it's young professionals, whether it's people in college, just people with, uh, very different randomized schedules. Um, and, you know, and on top of it too, it was at the very, it was in 2020. So it was kind of at, you know, peak COVID and everything too, where people weren't Mm -hmm. really getting social interaction. Uh, and we kind of made a bet as well that, um, once COVID started to die down, that it started to be safe to, you know, interact with people again, that people were going to want to have that person to person contact and that sports were a really, really great way to do that. So through all that, uh, we started to kind of plan out this idea of, you know, how we could get people back out there playing, how we could make it economical, fun, easy, uh, really just try to make it the best experience uh, for sports that, you know, young, young professionals um, or students could actually have. I think it's such a phenomenal idea. First off, I think that it's that sense of community that a lot of people do long for and the idea that especially like as a young professional you guys are completely right finding the time and the commitment so far ahead of time is very very hard so to kind of just have this pickup game mentality where you can be a part of a community with such low commitment not paying a lot it's really incredible i think that what you guys are doing is super cool right now is it just based in one city are you guys in multiple cities you expanding tell me about that we're almost entirely in new york city uh we do have some kind of one-off groups over in california as well um and then i think that there's some in i i I believe that there's a few in dc there's some that are just kind of interspersed in random cities so we don't actually lock it down um however you know, it is kind of like a, and we realized this from the beginning, it's kind of a chicken and the egg problem of that, you know, if there's no games, then, you know, people aren't going to go on there to sign up. But if there's not people to sign up, mm-hmm. nobody's going to put up a game. So we have realized that we do kind of have to put a decent amount of effort into actually starting it up in a city to ensure that games are actually happening, to ensure that they're quality, to ensure that you know, people are showing up and that it's a good experience for everybody. Um, so we do have kind of one-off groups. Um, but you know, a lot of the one-off groups, they do tend to use it as more management software just to, just because it's free. Um, there's no cost at all to use it. So we have seen people use it just to coordinate their games between their groups that they've already had, um, to allow for that cross platform, you know, between Android and iOS phones, um, but for the most part, we do have most of our concentration over in New York City uh, currently. Do you feel like that your guys' biggest challenge right now would be expansion to cities? 
Yeah, that probably is our biggest challenge at the moment um, is just making sure because being that, you know, the other two guys, they're based in New York City and, you know, obviously I'm in Chicago, but uh, all, pretty much all my time is dedicated to writing out code and, you know, ensuring quality in the app. Um, I don't really have time to run around and, you know, uh, set up games and make sure that things are going smoothly. Mm -hmm. So probably the biggest thing is to, you know, actually expand to other cities to actually get that network effect going where you start to have people, you know, trying different games and different sports and ideally, you know, kind of, you know, bridging the gap to different places, uh, you know, getting in contact with organizers, people that are passionate about sport, passionate about their community. Um, we know that there's plenty out there. Uh, the hardest thing is sometimes just getting in contact with them and finding the right people because we do really want to make sure that anything that we do do is, uh, you know, high quality, that people are getting the best experience possible. You say that network effect. Do you feel like how this has expanded thus far has been that? Has it been a lot of word of mouth, people telling their friends, hey, you should check out this app? Is it a lot of you guys pushing it out? Are you guys using social? What is kind of the primary source of being able to push this app out as much as possible? has been largely network-based. Um, you know, there has been a decent amount of us actually, uh, well, specifically the other guys, uh, you know, going out on the grounds and actually, you know, approaching groups and, uh, you know, finding people, whether it's on, you know, Instagram or LinkedIn or anything. Um, but I would say that it is largely social. Uh, we actually just recently started spending out ads. Um, so up until pretty much the last month, it was entirely uh, network or word of mouth based. Uh, we didn't really have anything other than, you know, word of mouth and, you know, our own social media accounts to actually get it out there. So we're hoping that we're, we start to see a little bit more uh, push out as far as the advertisements go. But um, I think that that's probably one of our, one of the things that, you know, nobody's really specialized or very familiar with. So it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, how well we could actually nail that down, um, being that it is a little bit out of all of our comfort zone. It being out of your guys' comfort zone and you still progressing in that, being able to get people to talk about it word of mouth and pushing it out through social, I find that to be really impressive. Do you feel like you had a moment ever within the progression of this app where you guys were like, this is too much, this is too challenging, we don't know where to go from here. Was there ever kind of a beat you down moment that you feel like you guys had to surpass? It happened a lot <laughs> where it's uh, where there are those moments where it's <laughs> like, we, uh, it, it is so much and sometimes it can be very, very overwhelming. Um, but what's I think kind of nice is between me and the other two guys uh, that, they're, that they're always, every even if one person's down or one person's kind of in, you know, a little bit of a rut, the other two are there to pick them up. So it works out really good um, in that, you know, we can always kind of push forward because, because, because we look at it as this is something that we want in our communities. This is something that we want to see take off, um, you know, not even necessarily just for our business, but, you know, it started up literally just for, you know, to be able to get back out and play sports, uh, you know, despite your schedule. So when we put it back into perspective of that, you know, this can be an amazing thing. This can be amazing for communities. This can be amazing for, you know, people that might not have the money to join leagues or anything like we kind of refocus and 
you know, look at the bigger picture and it's like, okay, we have to, we have to keep on pushing through, you know, we owe this to our communities. We owe this to our peers, our friends. We owe this to everybody that we know, you know. The community aspect of it, to me, it feels like one of the most impactful parts. It's so strong, that element of community. Do you feel like your your guys's community rallied behind you for this? Do you feel like you had a lot of that initial support were your friends pushing your app out there? Tell me about that. It was pretty awesome. Um, actually, initially when we had launched, we threw a we threw a launch party over in Times Square, and it was just crazy to see how many people came out for that to support to you know push it out to you know tell their friends to start setting up games. It was really really amazing to see people actually kind of rally behind and you know to kind of be able to put faces to some of the names that I've been hearing and, you know, to some of the people that, you know, are signing up for the app and to be able to meet them and hear how they actually, you know, they've been playing in a game and, you know, that it's gotten them back out there that, you know, they've, they feel healthier, that they've lost some weight, they've, you know, whatever. Uh, it, it was really, really cool to actually see everybody come together. Um, and I do think that uh, specifically over in that New York area, they've, uh, they've been really fantastic. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. I want to know something that I feel like is kind of a, it's a fun question to ask because I feel like people are always curious about it. Tell me about the name of the company. Did you guys come up with it collectively? Is there meaning behind it? Of course, you guys have a mission. Does it go along with your mission? It didn't initially have a meaning, um, at least that I'm aware of. Uh, I think that we just kind of like the name, uh, like the idea that it kind of evoked some competitiveness. Um, however, we started to come up with this idea later on of actually of being able to kind of conquer your area of getting to have your name out there and people recognize you and the idea that you are kind of king of the hill of your area and people want to play you and, you know, kind of taking that competitiveness to the next level. Uh, and that was kind of what we've started to cling on to later on. Okay. I like that. King of the hill winner mentality. For people that maybe are listening to this and are thinking what this guy did sounds really, really cool, being able to take his skills that were once untraditional to him, and then he was able to put them or to move them, I guess, into a more traditional path, being able to get an education on them. And then he was able to start an app and be a co-founder of one. What would be your biggest piece of advice if somebody is trying to take those skills that they initially learn in college or that they're self-starting themselves and turn it into a potential business? Do you feel like it was the network that you were able to surround yourself with where the opportunity lied in? Or do you just feel like it was like your entrepreneurial spirit that made you go forward? What's advice that you would have for somebody that kind of wants to do something very similar to your path? Yeah, it's a it's a little bit of a hard hard one because I feel like there are some different things that go into it. Uh, but I think that probably the biggest one is um, almost like a some level of thought that you can do anything. That all these people that are coming up with these amazing concepts and stuff that in reality, you know, you can you're just as smart as them. That you're just a you're just as um, you have the same ability set that all the only thing that's really between you and them is how much work you're willing to put into it. Um, I would say that that's probably one of the biggest things. And the other one I would 
probably add on to that is just the ability to kind of see the bigger picture. Um, I think that it can be pretty easy to get focused in on, you know, one specific thing uh, and, you know, only look forward to tomorrow or only look forward to, you know, kind of a very immediate future. But I think that it's hugely helpful whether you're learning a new skill, whether you're coming up with an idea to kind of zoom out and be able to look at it from, uh, you know, a much greater perspective of what can this actually do? Uh, where will I be, you know, 10 years from now? And I think that it starts to, it starts to make everything that you're doing at that moment feel smaller. It starts to make it seem like it will sometime, sometime in the near future be so insignificant that you're going to look back and you're barely going to remember, you know, the issues that you were hitting at that moment because, you know, you had this bigger picture in your mind always. I think that's really incredible advice, very useful for people to understand that longevity of perspective, thinking further into the future than just right in front of you right now is really, really useful to remind yourself. Do you feel like that was challenging for you to do when you started this? Were there any pressures, if it was monetary pressures, being able to know for sure that you'd be able to sustain a lifestyle for yourself or just pressures of not following that traditional path that ever drew you back in? Or were you just thinking like, okay, full steam ahead, like I'm going to do this? You know, it is obviously nice to have uh, plenty of money in your pocket. And, uh, you know, kind of going back to that idea that you have to zoom out is that, you you know, part of what probably won't be in your tomorrow future is a large paycheck. (laughs) But you know, I think that if you really, if you love what you're building, it gets very easy to, uh, to kind of forget about all that. And cause all of a sudden, you know, you find yourself working with a smile, you find yourself looking forward to solving that next problem. You're, you know, it's, it's a lot of highs, it's a lot of lows, but you find yourself always looking forward to that next, that next high that you get, which is, you know, it might be solving a problem. It might be, you know, growing a user base. It might be getting the product actually released. You don't know, uh, you know, what tomorrow will bring. And I think that you start to really, really appreciate that. That being said, you know, it is nice to have a stable income. I, like, I wouldn't, I would not fault anybody for choosing that route. And I think it's a very good route to, a very good route to go. You know, more so than even the money. I think that the scariest thing is sometimes that, you know, you're throwing away time that you're throwing away, you know, doing other things that you, you might, you might enjoy. Um, but it goes back to looking at that bigger picture of, you know, you really believe in what you're doing. And I think it makes it a lot easier to kind of go full steam ahead then. That's incredible. That you've been able to get to that point of feeling like you should go full steam ahead is conquer your main, you know, source of income, the thing that you do every single day, or do you have fallbacks as well? So I do have fallbacks as well. Um, you know, <laughs> living in living in Chicago isn't uh, too cheap. So uh, I do have stuff mm-hmm. that I do uh, in addition in order to make money. Uh, you know, while still affording me the time to actually uh, do this. You know, that's one of the nice things about software is that it is you know pretty easy to find a job that uh, you know allows for a little bit better hours, a little bit more uh, you know open ended hours that you know, you can work around your schedule. So that career path has kind of worked in that advantage. Um, the other guys that I work with, uh, their field didn't really have that. So, you know, they kind of had no choice but to 
you know, just conquer, um, and, you know, kind of save up money and stuff. But I, I do have, you know, ways to, that, that I'm still supporting myself. I think that's actually an incredibly relatable thing for people to hear of not being able to just give up other opportunities that are making you money in order to pursue a project that you are more passionate about or that maybe you feel like is going to be your long term, but you also know that you have to make money, you have to sustain your lifestyle right now. For somebody that is kind of trying to straddle the world of both what are some things you said that there's a lot of flexibility specifically within your career path, I guess, and within your job category, but are there certain things that you would advise people to look for in a job if you are just using your job to solely make money and the thing that you really want to spend the most time on is something else? It's really, really important at that point to get a job that doesn't drain you, that doesn't take advantage of you. Um, I think that there are a lot of jobs out there that, you know, they they can really take advantage of you. Uh, They can take advantage of your, um, of your time. They could take advantage of your, you know, sanity of, you know, your love for something. Um, I think that it's really important to get a job that, you know, respects boundaries that um, no matter what, if you're starting something up or not, um, I I think that it's just an important thing in general to not get bogged down by what you're spending a significant portion of your life doing. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense for those jobs that are, I'm going to call, I guess, your monetary jobs. How have you gone about finding those? Have those been through connections or is it really just in your field you can reach out with the experience that you have? Uh, at this point, it is uh, that I'm, I am able to reach out with the experience that I have. Uh, so, yeah, there hasn't been uh, much issue as far as actually getting you know the conversation kind of rolling as far as that goes. Uh, that being said, you know, some are still through, uh, some are still through conversations and some, uh, you know, connections that I've had in the past. Um, but it'll just kind of depend. That's a really cool thing for people even to hear if they don't know much about software engineering at all. Like this is, it's interesting to know that there are jobs out there for it, that there is potential for steady income there's potential for you to find jobs pretty easily and to have that flexibility you know a lot of times people don't even know that that career path exists at all whether they're trying to break off and do something on their own with it or just have a more traditional career path just to know those things i think is really important because you wouldn't know unless you know you know oh yeah absolutely well i would love to know what has been the most rewarding project that you've worked on? I wouldn't be surprised if it is Conquer, but at at this point you have contributed to a lot of projects. I'm wondering if it's even the first one that you started while you were in college or if it is working so heavily on Conquer or if it's something in between. What do you feel like has been the most rewarding for you? The most rewarding has been Conquer. Um, it really has been an amazing thing to actually get to hear the, you know, users input on kind of how it's affected them. Uh, and one of the things that is kind of, that can be kind of rough about software is that you don't always get that. Uh, you are a lot of times behind the scenes. You might be one of, you know, a very large team of software engineers. Um, so being able to have, you know, such a significant impact on this specific app and then being able to hear, 
you know, people that are able to play sports again, people that it got them through some tough times, uh, got them through COVID, you know, got them back out there and, you know, active again. Uh, it's a, it's a really amazing thing to get to hear, uh, that, you know, people are actually using something that you you helped build, uh, and that, you know, it's actually making a difference in their lives, uh, for the better. Hearing you talk about the name earlier, that King of the Hill concept, and then hearing you talk more about it now and the impact that it's had on people, I feel like this app is really conducive to people conquering so many other elements of their lives. Getting yourself back out there, being healthy, building community. It seems like all of those things are holding true, and it's wild that this one app has been able to do that for people. So feeling fulfilled by that, that's incredible. I think that you absolutely should because it's a really cool project that you guys have been able to turn into a reality. Do you have people like advisors on board or anything like that, that have kind of helped you in the process? We have had some advisors, but uh, they aren't very hands-on. It is usually heavily money-based, you know, that, that, that they do help us out with. They will give, uh, you know, insights to, because, you know, a lot of them have started up businesses before. So we have gotten some insights into, you know, some of the legal things and uh, some of the financial stuff. Uh, However, as far as, you know, kind of approaching this and approaching, you know, starting a tech company, uh, that has largely been on us. Uh, We have been pretty fortunate of that, you know, people in the community and the uh, marketplace community and people in the sports community have been very, very helpful. Uh, anytime that we have questions, you know, inevitably we're able to get into a, get into contact with somebody uh, who will at least give a different side of input, who you know, will give us something to kind of think about before we actually go ahead and implement something. Uh, so we have been fortunate, but you know, no, I wouldn't say that there's specific advisors that are really, really close to us at this point. Um, we're always looking for uh, people. Uh, we understand that we're very, very young and, you know, have a lot to learn. Um, but it is uh, definitely a pretty, it, it's not an easy thing necessarily to find uh, somebody who's willing to, or who's capable of uh, dedicating the kind of time that we, uh, you know, hope for. Yeah, I can imagine that would be a really challenging process. For the people that you do have on, how have you found those people? Have Has it been through just cold emailing people being like, hey, we have this really cool project. <laughs> like, <laughs> promise it's going to be cool. Jump onto it. <laughs> or like, how, how's the outreach process been? So we have had, we've had some people that we, uh, that we have reached out to. We've also had some people that have reached out to us of, you know, that have heard about the app or have seen something in the advertising and are just really, really excited about the idea of, you know, getting something like this going in their community. Uh, and so it's a little bit of both. Um, a lot of times, you know, it is sending a lot of emails and it is, uh, you know, plenty of rejections before you, you get somebody that you just want to give you the time of day. Uh, but yeah, a little bit of both. Well, you know what? Cold emailing people, reaching out, expecting them to say no, I think is sometimes a really good task for people to practice because most of the time it's going to be a no. But if somebody says yes, that can be life changing. So you never know. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's not an easy thing to get rejected all the time. But, um, you know, all it takes <laughs> is that one yes. And, you know, that, that, that one yes can really take you far. So, 
you know, it's, uh, it, it can be tough, but, you know, I think at this point we've all gotten pretty thick skin with it, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine that you probably have had to. Speaking of that thick skin, we talked a little bit earlier about when you started this off, your confidence in your skills, they weren't, you know, up to where they possibly I'm hoping are now. But that's kind of what I wanted to ask on. Do you feel so much more confident in your skills now having gone through all of these different steps and where you are? Do you feel like it really was just building yourself up through all of these different programs and projects that you've done? Do you feel like your confidence is at an all time high in your skill set now? Way better than it was. Um, you know, one of the things is though, like there's still, and one of the things I do like about the computer science uh, area is the fact that there is just, there's so much to learn. Uh, and I think that one of the, mm. one of the kind of beautiful things about it is that, you know, no matter how much of an expert you are in, you know, a certain area, I mean, you're going to be stupid in another. So I think to kind of have the <laughs> humility is, uh, you know, very important. Um, and, you know, that's something that I look for, that I look for personally when I'm choosing people I'm going to work on, you know, writing software with is that, you know, I don't want somebody who thinks that they know everything. Uh, I want somebody who's confident, but, you know, I think that confidence can only go so far because you are going to have to learn from you know, other people. It might be somebody younger than you. It might be somebody less experienced than you. There's just, there's so much to learn. So even though I am way, way, way more confident in my ability to, you know, actually put a system together and, uh, you know, write software and write quality software, um, I, I have no doubt that probably 10 years from now, I'm going to be cringing at some of the stuff that I've written today. So still at, a, at an all time high, but there's still a long way to go. <laughs> You're going to be like, that guy didn't know anything. What was he thinking back then? <laughs> After uh, I, I make a point of sometimes not going back to my past projects because, you know, it's just it's a uh, it's a little bit dark. <laughs> Me too. I have a very shifting opinion on that. Sometimes I want to see how far I've come. And sometimes I'm in the mood to never look at anything I've ever created in my past ever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it, yeah. You never really know how it's going to make you feel if it's going to be, a, you know, I'm so happy with how far I've come or if uh, it's going to be a oh man, maybe I'm not as good at this as I thought, you know? <laughs> you can only get better. There's only going up from here. Well, I, I do want to ask, aside from aside from this app, aside from all of this, you mentioned, you know, I kind of want to bring it back to your roots a little bit. You mentioned baseball. And I know that you weren't a soccer player, which is kind of how this idea of this app originated, but do you do you still play baseball? Do you have more passions that you're putting, you know, your time and energy into? Or do you feel like Conquer is now your primary passion? So, yeah. So at this point, I would say that Conquer is my primary passion. Uh, I still love I still love all the sports and everything. Yeah, I was um, especially into baseball and basketball. Uh, I did play a little bit of football. Um, I laugh because. I, there was a time in my life where I could name to you every single player on every team. Uh, at this point, I have no idea what's going on. I, and it literally just comes down to that every spare moment for the most part is going towards, you know, building out that next feature, uh, you know, figuring out that next issue and, you know, or helping you know, our junior software engineers, uh, you know, figure out some bug or, you know, design a new feature. And my time is just so spread thin 
uh, that it's, I already feel like I'm constantly multitasking and, you know, the, uh, as much as I wish that I had time to, you know, keep up with sports and, you know, have any idea what's going on in fantasy leagues, I, I just said, <laughs> I don't have the time at this moment. Uh, the hope is at some point I will, but at this point, you know, conquer is taken over as my full passion. I'm a hundred percent. Okay. With that. It's been awesome. And, you know, I think you're probably right. At one point, you will get back to that. I imagine that this is only going up for you guys. So no doubt in my mind that one day you will know all the sports teams, everybody who's playing on them. Again, back to your roots. Uh, I sure hope so, because it's just it's, it's sometimes it's just embarrassing, you know, when you know, you're starting up a sports app and everybody knows it and you don't know the first thing about what's going on. <laughs> it's uh, It can look pretty bad sometimes. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's an excellent point. Maybe you should know a little bit more, honestly, now. <laughs> yeah, I, need, uh, I need somebody to like, you know, take crash notes or something for me that I could just, you know, like some spark notes or something, <laughs> something like that. That's your next hire. That's your guys' next hire. Probably should be. Somebody to keep you updated in the sports world. That would be that would be probably a very worthwhile hire. None of you have time, I'm sure, right now. You guys are just grinding. But based on, you know, that grind, what is next for you? What is next for Conquer? Do you see yourself just going up, up, up with this? Do you imagine one day this will just be your primary thing? And I don't know anything else in your life. What's what's next for Tanner? We're hoping to see it keep on growing. Uh, we're hoping to get into a position where we can start to uh, expand to more cities. Um, I, I would say that's probably hopefully the next big thing is that we're able to start bringing this to, uh, you know, whether it's Chicago or other cities in California. And on top of that, too, even some smaller cities, uh, you know, St. Louis, um, Indianapolis, you know, some city, I, I think we wanted to, um, get it going in new Orleans, a whole bunch of, I think that we're really hoping to start to see this become a community thing and not just in, you know, one localized area. We're hoping to start to see it where people are, you know, traveling to new cities or moving across the country and immediately have, you know, a community to fit in with. Um, so I think that a lot of the focus is going there. Uh, on my on my end specifically, it's going to be more code, more code, and more code. Uh, there's just there's so much <laughs> to do. Uh, we are hoping to start to you know freshen the design and start to get it where it's looking a little bit more modern, a little bit more clean, a little bit more user friendly. Uh, we're constantly getting uh, user feedback, so we're starting to do actual studies on that where we're hopefully making it just a little bit better experience that kind of you know, tips the edge on that quality um, and makes it just a better experience for everybody. Um, a lot more time coding. There's, there's a lot to do still. Yeah, I imagine the coding element pretty much takes up your life. But I think every single step that you take with that, every single thing that you guys progress, whether it's even just this year to next to be able to see your progress in the future, I'm guessing you guys are going to look back on this time and be so grateful for how much you're putting into it now. I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, it's already, like I said, we've already started to see some of it pay off with the, with the fact that people are out there playing again and that we're getting, you know, people having very positive experiences of, you know, getting back out there and playing the sports that they loved. So we're already starting to see some of the returns that way. And, you know, I'm hoping to only see it get even more widespread. 
Well, before we close out this interview, I want to ask you one more question, and you may not even have the answer to this, but is there a quote or a phrase that you live by that you feel like has gotten you to the next day, day by day, just allowed you to be in the position that you're at now that you kind of live by? Yes, actually, I do. Let me look it up real quick. Okay, please do. I want to know it. All right, my favorite quote, it's probably gotten me through a lot of like some of our hardest times, but, and I know that Steve Jobs was a very, very problematic person. <laughs> um, however, you know, we, we laugh, you know, me and the other guys that, um, that started up with me, Matt and Lewis, um, you know, we laugh all the time that we're, we're just crazy that we are absolute nutcases at this point with how many hours we put into this, how we're running around, how we're talking to people about it, you know, getting out of our comfort zone a, you know, a million times a day. But I really love this quote from Steve Jobs saying, the people who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones that do. I just, I love that quote, uh, that you just, you have to be a little bit crazy to, you know, do something that you're uncomfortable with every single day. I think that's such a fantastic quote. And it seems like it perfectly sums up you guys, your small community, which I'm guessing translates into this bigger community. So I think if if that's a thing you stick to, get crazier because it's probably going to skyrocket you guys to the top. <laughs> oh, I sure hope so. The, the craziness isn't going to die. <laughs> Good. It never should. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for sharing all about your background, your experiences. I know that anyone that's listening to this that is either wanting to start an app or just be a software engineer, get into anything within this realm, they're definitely going to find this helpful, useful, and a little bit inspiring, I would say, because going from where you started to where you are now I find it inspiring. I think that it's really amazing what you have done on your own, but also what you've been able to do and bring to the communities around you. So thank you. I really appreciate the time, Tanner. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. This is awesome. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to check out Conquer app in the App Store as well as their Instagram at Conquer underscore app and on their website, conquer-us.com. As always, you can find us, excuse my reach, on all major streaming platforms. Like, download, subscribe, share with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at excuse my reach. Be kind to those around you. And don't be afraid to reach a little higher.